Hi, everyone, and welcome to Climate Change, the real story with our host, Dr. Robert Marks. Dr. Marks, how are you? Thanks for stopping by. I am doing fine and uh, glad to stop by. Have an interesting discussion today for your listeners. All right, we're ready. Okay, uh, today I've entitled this uh, Policy Has Overwhelmed in Trump Science. Uh, if you've listened to some of my previous podcasts, you know I try to approach everything from a scientific basis, and I'll stick to that a little bit, but I'm going to shift gears a little bit and talk about the history of how climate change got to be out of hand and uh, that we are operating and going down the wrong path of this apocalyptic sense that CO2 is going to ruin the world. Uh, it essentially is not. Uh, it's basically a cottage industry literally has sprung up about co uh, climate change, and it's at, at the root of uh, environmental activists, heavily funded scientists, and professional regulators, as well as politicians. Now, uh, let me digress one, one bit. Uh, last week, uh, I talked about James Hansen as being one of the culprits in taking climate change to the apocalyptic scenarios. He is the one that convinced uh, the intergovernmental panel on climate change that CO2 is proven, that that's the cause. Uh, but essentially, uh, every scientist has pointed out that his computer model, it's only a computer model, and that he didn't consider volcanoes, solar variations, ocean currents, uh, tectonic plate movements, and undersea events. And probably last week, what happened kind of proves it even more. You may not be aware of it, but a whole new island has developed off the coast of Japan. And that's from a heat event. It's an undersea volcano. If you don't include that in a model, particularly a global model, and the, the big Atlantic ridge of heat events, your model is off from the very beginning. So a lot of what we've been told and led to believe and why the predictions from James Hansen of NASA has proven to be wrong. And I've stated this before. They claim that uh, in 2005, by 2015, there will be no ice left in the uh, Arctic. There's plenty of ice left in the Arctic and it's just as thick as it was in 1983. Polar bears are not dying, they're actually thriving. And several other great predictions have occurred, uh, such as there's no snow going to be there in um, Australia by 2020. Uh, well, in 2022, just last year, they had a record snowfall. So there's been all of these you know, painless predictions that have not come true. Okay, so what I want to introduce to the uh, listeners uh, at this time is the UN's panel called the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, called the IPCC. Now, we all have learned from um, the COVID experience that the UN is not a US-friendly group, that the UN has gone off on all kinds of uh, tangents and has not really met their main mission of um, helping poor people around the world and people who are starving. Uh, they have launched and become a political entity rather than a do-good entity. So let me start with that, that they began in 1995, what's called uh, a Conference of the Parties. That sounds kind of funny. Uh, and that C COP began in 1995. So guess what? Since 1995, there has been 27 different conferences of the parties all about climate change. This has become an obsession. Um, so taking even a look at IPCC, what it, it really is, 
Uh, it's a branch of the United Nations. And But notice the word intergovernmental. There's no science mentioned in it. These are a bunch of governmental people making policies or recommending them with the backbone of the United Nations that different countries should adopt related to climate change. It is not backed by science, and I want all of uh, your listeners to uh, realize that. Now, uh, as early as COP2 in Geneva in 1996, uh, the James Hansen convinced with his computer models, although they were very wrong, that uh, it's an accepted fact that it's all due to CO2. Um, in fact, the U.S. Secretary of State at that time uh, advocated a limited emissions of CO2, began a push for CO2 budgets, a carbon tax, and carbon credits. It was Al Gore in 2005 that really put this on the map because he developed a company to sell carbon credits and to advocate for a carbon tax and car and uh, CO2 trades. All right, well, it progressed every year. And then probably the one that everyone needs to know is the Conference of the Parties number three. It was in Kyoto, Japan in 1997. And they came out with a mandate. Now, remember what mandates are. Mandates are a, a governmental thing that you must do. You are mandated to do. It's a form of, of what the communists used to do in Soviet Union and what the socialists do wherever they can at any totalitarian government. The government is telling you you must do it. It's a mandate. Well, the uh, United Nations on COP3 mandated uh, that... Uh, that CO2 emissions be reduced by, I think, 50% at the time. But what's very interesting is that that UN excluded 130 countries. And guess which countries they excluded? China, Pakistan, Brazil, and India, plus a bunch of other countries. Now, fortunately, the United States Senate, which was heavily Democrat at the time, voted 95 to nothing to reject the Kyoto mandates. So we never bought into that. But what we did buy into uh, was um, our president and the Obama administration gave $100 million to the United Nations for reparations related to climate change. And as I mentioned in the last one, uh, Joe Biden this past year gave $1 billion of our taxpayer money to climate change reparations. Um, so in any event, uh, those are things I want you all to be aware of. Uh, so the U.S. never adopted the Kyoto uh, COP mandates. But again, the Senate turned down cap and trade. If you remember historically, the Obama administration produced a bill to, um, to elicit cap and trade, that this was a, a mechanism where you would be capped on how much CO2 you produce and that you could trade it so you could buy carbon credits. Well, the problem with that is that you're just buying carbon credits. You're using the same amount of carbon. So that wasn't even uh, an effective way to reduce CO2 emissions. It was an effective way to increase revenues. So I, I hope that everybody realizes that. And so uh, remember that the carbon offsets, uh, like Al Gore wanted to uh, impose, doesn't reduce CO2 one bit. Now, um, one of the last things I want to comment on is as we've gone through all these 
27 renditions of climate summits. The last one should get our attention. The U.S. has been a candy man to the U.N. Again, the 100 million that Obama gave to the U.N. for these other countries, usually in Africa, to reduce CO2 emissions. I guess they're not burning enough wood there. I don't know. Uh, and then uh, $1 billion by the uh, uh, Biden administration. Uh, did Trump ever uh, give a the UN uh, money for uh, carbon credits? The answer is no. So just put that as a um, FYI. Now, the carbon credit issue came up in Glasgow in 2021. It was put down. But in 2022, climate uh, party emissions, number 27, which is the last one, occurred in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt. This was run by the African nations. And here is her quoted theme that I want you all to uh, remember. The theme of the climate change summit of 2022 in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt is driving, quote, driving green growth and climate finance solutions for Africa, and then they included, and the world. So you can see what, what's going on there. Uh, recognizing the U.S. Uh, is a candy man and handing out billions of dollars, they wanted their fair share, again, for the, uh, the use of uh, our monies to theoretically reduce carbon emissions in developing third world countries. Now, if you're familiar with Nigeria and you're familiar with Somalia and Ethiopia and Kenya, do you really think that a billion dollars going to them would be put toward carbon reduction emissions? No, it certainly would not. Uh, but, but don't worry. Uh, climate change, as I've been saying, and my, my book, uh, Climate Change, A Real Story, identifies that CO2 has nothing to do with um, uh, global warming. It's really merely a money-making scheme to subsidize wind power, solar energy, and now these other countries want to be subsidized under the guise of uh, climate change. Uh, it's really a scam on the taxpayer that we are already seeing the effects of. Inflation, job loss, military strength decline, di divisiveness within our own country, and more importantly, enriching our adversaries like Venezuela and China. So I want you to keep some of these facts in your mindset because this is what's wrong with climate change, blaming it and vilifying fossil fuels. It's coming back to haunt us. And now good scientists are starting to reverse it. I'd like to think I'm one of them. Thank you. Wow, Dr. Marks, it's like, you're right, good scientists. That's what you're hoping more and more come out, right? From the woodwork. Is and it is every day. Uh, the uh, the World uh, Climate Change Group is a group of non-government paid scientists. Uh, they are really Nobel Prize laureates and uh, emeritus professors in climatology. They need to be heard. The trouble is the political screaming and the uh, radical environmental activists shut them down, and they get essentially ignored. But the reality is that fossil fuels and the production of CO2 is not the cause of global warming. I've discussed in previous podcasts what really is. Wow. And and that's where people need to go back and subscribe to the podcast, listen to all the different podcasts. And you have more and more 
topics moving forward regarding this and then really re-release your book with more information i mean a new edition of the book with more information on climate change and even an audio book at one point in time so people can listen to the entire thing we appreciate it dr marks okay well you're, you're welcome and i'll see everybody next time all right that's climate change the real story podcast with dr robert marks guys take care